Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. All right, hello and welcome again to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon. I'm your host, Samuel Smith. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I also want to thank our guest today, a, a good and a recent friend of mine, uh, Mr. Steve Tenkel. Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Always glad to be here. Man, uh, we have made friends here recently over the last uh, year, year and a half. And we've, we've actually become pretty good friends because Steve and I, we, we move in similar circles. Steve's self-proclaimed job title, as you can find him on LinkedIn, is Chief Doer. Um, what exactly, Steve, uh, explain to, to the listeners at home, what exactly is a Chief Doer there, mate? Well, every business has things that have to get done. Right. So somebody has to do them. And so I was working with a company once where we were looking at titles and I don't really care about the title. It's more for external people than internal. Of course, yeah. But they said, well, what do you what do you want on your title? And I said, what's well, just what I do? And they said, what you do is you are the chief doer of business. So how do we make that into a title? And I said, well, I think you've got one. Let's just go with that. <laughs> I totally understand that. So you work, um, you know, the reason I wanted to bring you on Small Business Surgeons so early on in the uh, in the episode cycles is that you work in uh, a very similar, if not slightly elevated vein of, uh, of what I do. You actually help businesses uh, go from uh, maybe even just concepts on napkins all the way up to uh, nine figures and, and beyond, right? Yeah, I've been very fortunate to be a part of some good Good business stories. You know, we've had ideas that were on napkins. One that was literally um, on a mattress of a bed that we transitioned into. Did, wait, 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 wait. Did you find it on the mattress or did you write it yourself on a mattress? We actually stopped it from being on the mattress. <laughs> so we can get into that if you want. I mean, uh, but, you know, sometimes it's just literally a concept or an idea, a seed thought, if you will. And then, you know, one business, we went from zero to 1.9 million in eight months, Okay. which honestly was too fast. Yeah. They shouldn't have grown that quick. And uh, there were a lot of problems along the way. But then, uh, you know, 22, $23 million company once we worked with, um, and then some that go up, you know, to over a hundred million. Um, but the, the basic concepts of, of what we do to grow a business are all the same. So in the, in the famous words of the, the interviewer on Office Space, uh, what is it that you would say you, that you do here? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I help businesses grow. Uh, you know, every business gets to a point where it's stuck. Um, and that can be different reasons. You know, marketing, people. Usually it has something to do with the people and the culture of the business. Right, right. If you get the mission and the culture right, the rest, if you're good about maintaining your culture, the rest usually will take care of itself. Um, I help with strategy, accountability, marketing and sales, whatever we need to do to get the business healthy. Because one of my principles is that if it's healthy, it will grow. Absolutely. Nature. Yeah. So backwards is true as well, that if it's not growing, it's probably not healthy. So, so what do you think the most common fault that you find in businesses? Because with me, uh, just starting out in my journey as uh, as a paid coach, I mean, I've been I've been helping people for for a long time, but just starting out in that journey, I'm discovering that pretty much everybody has the same set of issues, um, be it undefined goals, be it undefined core values. Um, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I'm seeing as I'm coming out patterns of issues. What patterns have you seen that kind of come up from time uh, for repeatedly, and uh, how do you address those with with business owners? Well, 
Well, it's it's a complicated question because as you as you're explaining that, like a lot of thoughts flush into right. This is small business surgery. Yeah, so yeah, when you this isn't patents. My first right. thought we talking about patent law, or is no, patents, no, so it'll be a patent. <laughs> uh, not small business with crayons, Steve. Right. The idea is to put complicated and challenging questions in front of my guests so they can uh, they can well, the impart core, knowledge. One thing I've learned, so just so you understand about me, my mission in life has been to demystify success, okay, and then to be the mentor that I never had. And so, in learning that and pursuing that, I do see a lot of patterns. And one of the things that I've learned is the most powerful thing in this world is thought. Just one thought can change your entire world, hmm. good or bad, it doesn't matter. So if you find that right thought, then it'll change your trajectory. So when you say, what is it about businesses that holds them back? A lot of times, it's the thought process of the founder. I can agree with that. Yeah, it's in the way. It's the mm -hmm. way that they think, and I don't, I don't want to be generic with your audience. We can get into specifics if you want. Go for it. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, a self-limiting thought, or listening to other people. But there's also other things too that are more applicable. Like I would say, you know, start with the end in mind. Stephen Covey said that a long time ago. Mm. So what is the goal of your business, and then work backwards? A lot of people get stuck doing the wrong Do, thing. You'd be shocked how few people actually realize that. And um, it took me a long time to figure it out. You know, it, it's like I always equate it to you want to go on a road trip. You're sitting there in the car, the tank's full of gas. But if, if you don't know your destination, you're just going to sit and go around in circles. It's true. And, and the thing, too, I want people to understand is you're the only one who can set that destination. Mm -hmm. You want to go to Hawaii or New York? It, does, it literally it does not matter to me. Right. But if we're in Texas, then we need to start going a certain direction. But you're going to be, have to be the one to tell us. And, you know, generically speaking, as long as we move in the right direction, we're eventually going to get there. But are we going to walk? Are we going to ride a bike? Are we going to get on an airplane? <laughs> you know, that depends on and how you want to get there, too. You know, the way I see it is the, the vehicle uh, for the journey is initially it's your job. And then as you progress through your job and you change careers and you level up and you start your own business, that vehicle for the journey becomes the business. And you go from driving, you go from driving, say, a, Nissan Altima, all the way through driving a Mercedes, and then all the way flying on a private jet. It's you know your your yeah. business is your vehicle for the journey to get to where you want to go. It should be, and then honestly, the business is there to serve you as the owner. And so, one of the first questions I ask people is, "What do you want mm -hmm. from this thing that makes it worth your time to put up with all the things that you're going to have to do to make this business what it needs to be?" And sometimes I ask that question later because that's where I'm, I'm brought in. You know, someone asked me once, how come your clients are so messed up and broken? <laughs> like, would you ask that question of a doctor? I mean, that's, that's, that's true. the nature of the business. I don't help people that don't have problems or who, who like, everything is fine. Everything's great. You would never come to me. Uh, the people that I've worked with and been fortunate enough to be involved with have two things in common, which is they're aspirational and they're frustrated. Right. So there's no aspiration. What are we doing? We're just, wait, I'm going to help you be the same. That doesn't make sense. No, no, not at all. And if you got it all figured out or you're not frustrated, then you're not going to be seeking help. And so I would say in that, you know, if you're aspirational, what is it that you're trying to do? What are you trying to create? Why are you doing it? And actually take the time to write that down. You see, what I found with a lot of people that don't do that, their biggest goal with starting a business is to just pay the bills, just replace their job. And then they'll come to me and they've been doing the same thing for three years and they wonder why they're not growing. I say, well, you know, what was your what was your goal? And they're like, well, we, we just, we're, we're just trying to pay bills. I'm like, well, 
are you paying bills? I'm like, yeah. All right, congratulations. You've succeeded. You're, You're a success. You hit the goal you set. And most people don't think beyond that. And it's it's like a light bulb uh, moment going off. In you know, and you can see it behind their eyes. With like, oh shit. All I set out to do was pay bills, so that's all I've done. And when and that was your thought, right? And you fulfilled it. Oh, absolutely. So you are a success. You're successful at what you set out to do. And most people I've I've come across or that I've I've had the privilege of starting to work with haven't even laid that out. They haven't defined, you know, what am I here for? Where am I going? Well, then there's it comes to motivation too, which you know you, I think you need that. Um, who was uh, who wrote uh, Can't Hurt Me? David Goggins. David Goggins. Yeah. So Goggins said something in his book I thought was interesting. He says you. You, normally when you set a goal, you're normally sitting on the couch and you're very comfortable and you're... Correct. And then you actually go do the work, which does not usually involve sitting on the couch and being mm. comfortable, and then you lose your motivation. Business is the same way. You may set a goal to do something, but then when the work happens, mm-hmm. then you're like, where's your motivation? So I think you need to find that. Oh, I was talking to someone. Absolutely. And they, they wanted... So what do you want from life? And this wasn't a typical consulting type of agreement. It was just a conversation. And I, for me, I cannot help myself from wanting to help other people. No, you're you're a natural. You're a natural at it. Yeah. So sometimes I have to get permission. It's like, is it okay if I speak into your life? And and, uh, and my specialty has been female entrepreneurs. Even though I don't market that way, it was never an intentional thing. It just kind of has naturally evolved like that. And so I was, I was talking to her, and I said, "What do you want?" And she said, "Honestly, I want to travel with my daughters." I want to be able to take them and do things with them that I didn't get to do mm-hmm. when I was young. I said, that sounds like a great motivation for a business. Where do you want to take them? So then she told me this destination that she wanted to go to, a place that she never got to go to as a child. But to be empowered enough to take her own daughters by her own hand, mm-hmm. the money that she made would be very rewarding as an experience. And I said, well, that sounds like a great motivation for starting a business. How much does it cost to do that trip? So we worked out the details of what it would cost. And so imagine for you, where's your ideal destination? You want to go to Australia? You want to go to Disneyland? Right, right. You want to go to Hawaii? But figure if, out the cost, and then we're going to work backwards, and we're going to make that money. If you don't write that down though, and commit to it, you'll just keep paying the bills. And I would say take a piece of paper and draw a little thermometer and put the number at the top. <laughs> and let's start filling up because I want you to and keep in mind this is someone who's going to be starting the business technically from scratch. Yeah. With a goal of making a certain amount of money. You always used to see those uh, you always used to see those thermometers on the Save the Church Roof campaigns oh. when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, like, I like what you said about backing into stuff um, and starting with the end in mind. Because you know, when you look at a project or you look at a business or you look at a goal and say, you know, hey, I, I want to do a million dollars in revenue this year. Um, a million dollars is that's a lot of money. You make one year. Yeah, in, in revenue, million dollars in revenue is a lot of money. Can't be. But, but, but again, exactly. When you when you make it easier, when you break it down, you're like, well, that's only that's just just over, sorry, just under three thousand dollars a day, right? So, what if I can sell something that makes me a hundred dollars in revenue when I sell it? Well, I got to sell thirty of those in a day. Well, that now it starts to get a little bit simpler. And that million dollar target that you're just daydreaming about, once you back into it and actually make a plan and realize, hey man, I only got to sell three grams worth of stuff today to hit a million dollars in a year, um, life suddenly, it, it gets a lot clearer. 
Um, well, I'm just going to get into mindset too. Um, go for it. You know, a lot of people will think about their business and I tell you where I got stuck early on too was my passion. What is my passion? Mm. And so people want to do something that's in their passion. And so, which I, I got tired of that. It's like, honestly, if one other person tells me to follow your passion, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> it's like, give me a better, I don't know what my passion is because I can be passionate about so many things. Mm -hmm. And so well, somebody said it differently and, and I, I recognized it. He said, what is it that you do for free that no one could stop you from doing? And immediately I was like, give business advice. Yeah. I see it jumps. It just jumps off the page at me. And then I go tell you about it because mm -hmm. I want to help you and I assume you want to know. And I promise you, for those people who think I'm rude, the business owner wants to know the truth. They need oh. to know the truth. You're being yeah. mean to someone when you don't tell them their business isn't working because they need your feedback. Most people are so afraid to give it to them. Dude, that's how you and I are, are so similar because if we, if, if I get to sitting across the table at, at the bar with somebody and, um, you know, drinking my Diet Coke and still staying sober, uh, but, you know, when I get in those kind of situations, I will talk and talk and talk and talk just as much as I can and share the experiences that I've had and the, the I want... appreciate that. We know what it's like to not have something and to, maybe to not even have encouragement. Literally this week, I was talking to a guy who was going to lay tile on like just an exposed concrete floor. Mm -hmm. He had done it with someone else, but he'd never done it himself. Right. And he had this weird body language going on. I said, what's going on with you? And he's like, I don't know. Come here, I want to talk to you for a second. So he pulls me aside and he says, I don't know that I know what I'm doing. I think I can do this. I've never done it by myself. And so I could see that fear in him and that I said, look, you can do this. Like, what is the doubt? And one of his friends told him, you can't do this. You have no business doing this job. <laughs> so I'm like, Why would you tell someone that? Like he's, he wants to do something better with his life. He's taking a step in that direction. Why wouldn't you be there to encourage him? I don't understand that. Um, well, the reason I've found is, is, and it's been written about many times, is uh, is the analogy of the crab bucket. And uh, when, when you see somebody succeeding, um, you know, man, my life has changed so much since I stopped hanging out with those people. Um, and I stopped hanging out with people that doubted me. And I started hanging out with people that believed in me and people that encouraged me and people that mentored me and people that lifted me up and said, you can do this, you're doing a great job. I mean, I had one girl, um, uh, she's a she's a coach in uh, Ryan Stillman's Apex program. And she looked at my stuff and said, you do realize that tens of thousands of people see what you do, right? I'm like, no <laughs> and you know it's just the fact that if all these people are listening to you maybe you do know a little bit about what you're talking about and then another guy um i don't need to be, that to be your criteria though well no but it's like you have something valuable to add. right and you may not find the people yet but that gets back to you know like wh why are you doing this and for you you know there's people who need what you have to mm -hmm. say and you know that you have value to add, even if it's just experiences. You know, when you, someone says, if you only know four chords on a guitar, then find someone who only knows three. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That is the truth. In four chords, you can play most of the songs yeah. in, uh, in all of Western music. So uh, I guess that's, a, that's a, a lesson for another podcast. Yeah, but you know, like say going back to this, uh, this lady who wants to travel with her kids, does it matter what business she goes into? No, not at all. But a lot of times people get stuck on the business idea, which there's simple, we can give practical ideas on how to do that too, that I occasionally get to speak over at A&M and that's one of the questions they ask about is how do you, how do you pick or go into business? And they always start with the product, right? which is a problem because you, you get this idea. Mm -hmm. So it usually begins with, I was in this situation and I was watching this thing and I thought there's gotta be a better way. 
Right. So there's definitely going to be a market for it. And people get stuck in that, or they're stuck in following their passion, and then they get busy, and they don't ever do anything of any value. There's so many businesses that fail. There were dumb ideas that should have never been started. <laughs> incredible amount of wealth away. Yeah. Like you should have put the money into something else. And so what I see in the world is there is a, there's a great void in knowledge and skill of how to be successful in business. The good news is, though, that there has never, ever been a time in recorded history where so much knowledge has been so freely available. Um, you know, I look to YouTube to learn stuff. I pay for coaching courses online. Um, I Google stuff. I mean, you know, there's the old joke that um, all you've got to do to be successful in business is Google stuff quicker than your clients. Um, but what I want to get back to is the fact that you didn't go to college or the fact that I didn't learn that or the fact that, well, my degree is in, I don't know, political science. It doesn't apply to whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, there is so much information out there and the ability to teach yourself. And then a lot of these places actually have you know, certifications that are getting recognized on a national level uh, just from going online and doing courses online. And I, and I think we're going to see a real shift in how continuing education uh, happens over the next five or six years, uh, especially with the way COVID shut schools down this year and made everything distance learning. Yeah. People are getting a lot more used to the idea of, of distance learning qualifications. So that's part of it. There's another part of it, too. And it just goes to your point about access to information. Mm -hmm. The public, I don't think, has ever really had much transparency in what goes on in our schools. Oh, so now that yeah. kids are being pushed home and the parents are getting a look at how things actually work in the public school system and seeing some of the inefficiencies and in how things are taught, there's a lot more scrutiny there. There's a lot more access to the information. And what that's going to do is cause people to see an imbalance in expectations and reality. And I believe from that frustration will be born new educational learning methods. There'll be new ways of teaching kids. There'll be more people contributing to the conversation around education, which is a topic that has been needing some help. I mean, that, that's good. In my opinion, um, education should be one of the things that we invest in most heavily, both for ourselves, our children, and as society as a whole. I think there's a whole lot of problems in society that you could cure with massive amounts of education funding in you know three-year-olds onwards they say show me a seven-year-old and i'll show you the man and where it's really important are we are we properly funding those uh, those kids it's audio they can't see you nodding <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I think a lot of society's problems can be solved with education. But for me, whenever I want to learn a new skill set, um, podcasting, for example, or uh, back in my uh, in my internet marketing time, when I was learning internet marketing and learning how to become an advertiser and sell products online and all that kind of stuff, I bought courses. I paid for courses from people that were already successful in the marketplace doing that kind of thing. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs overlook that. I think they think that they they have to do it themselves, they have to know it all, and they forget that they've got this massive amount of resources that's uh, sitting right there at their fingertips on Google and on YouTube especially. Yeah, and honestly, no matter what you're learning, um, there's always you know different layers of it. You know, on the surface, mm -hmm. maybe you know, everything is very visible and easily, like, hey, there's something I don't know. We used to show this graph to people at SeedSumo when we would say, why should you work with us? A little pie graph. Mm -hmm. and a little tiny sliver that says what you know. And there's another <laughs> little sliver that says what you don't. You know that you don't know. Mm -hmm. But probably 70% of it, you know, was uh, what you don't know that you don't know. 
And if, if you were a Shrek fan, you would see that it's like the onion. You start to peel away. The yeah. But yeah. then you realize nobody likes onions. Let's switch over and talk about parfaits. There's a whole parfait of knowledge that you can work your way down deeper and deeper and deeper. And you can go as deep in something as you want. But if you just get started, maybe you start with the whipped cream, make it nice and easy, and you can work your way down to the bottom. I fucking hate you. <laughs> so he warned me before we started this podcast. He's like, I'm going to work a parfait analogy in here somewhere. And I've been sitting and wondering, how are we going to get to parfaits from business? But um, layers, very good. Very, very good. Well, bravo, sir. Bravo. So let, let me ask you this then while we're going a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper into who, who you are. How did you become a coach? How did your career take you to the point where it's at now? Because now you you drive your your, your very nice car and you wear your hoodie and your your blue jeans and your your, your Chuck Taylors and you're kicking it, man. I mean, you backwards hat. Yeah, you've, well, I was I wasn't going to mention the fact that he is wearing a backwards baseball hat. Um, Kyle and the guys are down in Houston today, and they took a bunch of my cables uh, for the cameras, so we're not actually uh, saying you're missing out on that. Well, part part of why we're backwards hat day is I'm, I'm working on a business project that probably in the last 72 hours I may have slept eight hours so today was like uh, I slept in so I got a whole four hours last night and so the, I didn't have time to, to do the proper justice oh, to the right on. yeah he's normally so well put together yeah instead of the hoodie I'm normally wearing a, I have two two dress codes so today is a little more casual um, but yeah it's so how I, how I became a, in this role was one of necessity and also curiosity for me is that mm-hmm. I've always been very curious about business and how things work. And I grew up in the country. We we're very poor and there was no one around me that I could learn from for success, but I had ideas of how things could work or what the business world was like, Right. but there was no one there to tell you what to do, what knowledge to reach for or any ideas. Well, yeah. I mean, shit, all we had growing up was a, a bookshelf. And, yeah, yeah and there was no nobody else to reach up to. I grew up in the country as well. Um, I had a very good upbringing based on the education I got from that bookshelf, you know, having that resource there. But, boy, the Internet. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, speaking of education, I remember we lived in this beat-up trailer house in the middle of nowhere uh, out in East Texas, and a traveling salesman came to sell my mother uh, encyclopedias. Just knocked on the door, this mm-hmm. trailer house. We didn't have money for that, right? but somehow she made it work. She wanted her kids, you know, to have education. And I remember just randomly looking through one of the encyclopedias and it showed one zero one one plus one zero zero zero. And it showed that it equaled ones and zeros. The number two didn't appear anywhere. And I thought that's weird. I, I even know that this is the wrong kind of math. I don't even know what's in these books. And apparently I turned to something that showed binary. And how you right. add binary numbers together. And so one plus one is ten. Yeah. Technically. And binary converting the way we would see it. You know, here I am, like not a five year old little boy anymore. I still remember that. It just made such an impression on me. And oddly enough, I you have done a lot of things with computers, understand the binary system now and can program and code in it. But you know, it can change the course of your life and you know, there was no one to speak in my life. They could even tell you or encourage you. If anything, they made fun of me. You told me that's not how the world works. Hmm. So you need to get your mind around how it does work. So you you were born and raised in East Texas. Mm-hmm. Where on earth did you get that accent? I got rid of it. <laughs> on I got purpose. Rid of my accent. Do I have one now? Do you think? Uh, no. 
It's, so, it, it's quite neutral. So I went to, uh, thank you, that was my intent. So I went to college in Daytona Beach at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University to study aerospace engineering. Oh, wow. And then everyone from there was from um, up north, mostly. Uh, but, and, you know, they had New England accents. Mm -hmm. And someone, they were laughing at me, and I said, what's so funny? And they said, well, there's two things. One of them, what is broken? I said, what do you mean what's broken? And they said, well, you keep saying you're going to fix something. <laughs> fix them to eat or you fix them to go to class. So, oh, that's bad, dude. That's bad. And then they said, and you say it with an accent. And I said, I don't have an accent. And then they laughed at me and they said, you say, I don't have an accent with an accent. And I remember thinking that for, for country people, your accent causes people to judge you. Oh, absolutely. And so yeah. the natural inclination is like a British accent mm -hmm. is you're educated. Uh, you know, there's something about it. Country <laughs> accent, you're uneducated. It's and funny. You know, my dialect is, uh, it, it's softened now obviously being in Texas, but my dialect is, is Northern and is historically seen as an uneducated British accent. So it's, it's funny that you guys see it as educated because, yeah, uh, my dialect is seen as the uneducated <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I remember the thought for me was newscasters. You can't place where a newscaster is from. That's true, yeah. And so I vow to... There were two things that I removed in my life. One is I was taught to be a racist, and I and did that when I was in college. I did well, good for you. Feel natural for me. And then I removed my accent, and people have commented on it. Uh, and my my daughter says when I go back to East Texas and I spend time around my family, it starts to creep back mm -hmm. a little bit. But um, I, I didn't want to be held back. Dude, with me, it's instant. I pick up the phone to my dad, and it's. It's like that. And none of my friends that are in the room that overhear it can understand a word because it's... And maybe I'll do some podcasts from uh, from England next time I go and you can hear how my voice changes. But um, no, that's uh, that's something else. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. My sister uh, works in London and people made fun of her in her early 20s. Her peer group made fun of her for her accent, and uh, you know would would ask when she was going to go and work back down the coal mine, um, <laughs> you know that that kind of stuff. But it it's it's a very real thing. So I I like how you like made the conscious decision to to get over that and move past it. Well, the I think the measure of what a person is capable of is only in their own heart and mind. And you know the point of our peers. Like why do our peers not build us up? And it makes me wonder: Am I? The answer for me is yes, I do. I build other people up, mm -hmm. even when they're not my people, because I believe in people and I believe in what we're capable of. And I, I would devote my life to service of others in that way of helping them believe something is possible. And there's enough people in the world telling you you can't do it. That's, I mean, one of my coaches teaches over and over again that you are the the amalgamation of your five closest yeah, friends. Five, five. That's yeah. exactly where I was going to go next. Uh, and the, the people you spend your time around will determine your weight, your savings, your investment, your retirement, your wealth. Your um, you know, so this, this group I'm in right now, and out of my friend group at the bar, um, you know, I'm probably the most in shape out of my friend group at You're the bar. You're the average up. And, um, yeah, I'm not in shape. I'm 20 pounds overweight, you know, but out of my friend group, I never felt fat. And, uh, so I've started to level up my, uh, the, the guys I'm hanging out with. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> we, I was at a, uh, at a mastermind session last week and there's, there's, uh, 10 other guys there, all of them just absolute killers. And every single one of them, whether he was in his thirties or his forties or approaching his fifties, 
every single one of them was in shape. Like, and I was like, well, damn, we got another, another mastermind session in 90 days. And I set myself the target of not being the fattest guy in the group in 90 days. I don't feel fat. Like I hang around my friends and I'm just like, I'm normal, but boy, with these guys, they're encouraging me to be in better shape and they're encouraging me, you know, to, uh, to, to, to do more in my business and they're encouraging me where to invest my money and they'll, they'll change your thoughts. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and that's the thing is like, if you want to start your own business or you want to grow your business, any of those things that they're all the same category is yeah, it's possible. You know, I, I promise you, no matter where you are, whatever you believe, you really can do it. Now, you may not have access, immediate access to the people or resources you think, but really, once you change your thoughts, you'll start looking for and finding them. So when you're talking with other people and you're hearing them talk about their things, like my Fab Five, they're business guys. Mm -hmm. And they're all probably some of the most you know successful people that I've ever spent time with. And because of that, we talk about things around success. We also talk about our families and life and spirituality and how hard life can be. It, it's, it, but those conversations are affecting our thoughts. Those guys understand that though. Um, the one problem I had before I made a switch consciously was finding guys that understood what I was going through every day and what I was living through. And then when you hang around with, with people that are more successful and, and self-made than you, because I've hung out with rich people before and I didn't really like them. Um, you know, no disrespect to, uh, to to rich people, but I've hung out with guys with trust funds that have inherited money, and it's just um, when you hang out with entrepreneurs that have made it, they're they're always humble. They're, humble. they're, they're always, you know, they, well, I tell you where that comes from. I've been watching that over time. I actually went on to a trip once, and the guy that I went with was was very wealthy, very successful in every way. So I thought this is going to be interesting to see how he travels. And we got off the airport, and then the car pulls up. It's just a black Lincoln Town Car. And I said, I was curious about that with as many of us. Why the Lincoln Town Car? Why not a limo? And he stopped, and he said, I will never be seen in a limousine. I'm never riding in a limo. I'm not going to be one of those people. And there was a lot of humility around it. Now, the black Lincoln Town Car is because they have a huge back seat. Right. And he's tall, and they have a huge trunk that holds all the luggage. Very practical choice. And... What I realize is if you look at entertainers, uh, whether they're uh, it's people in movies or in music, there seems to be more of like an ego or more about me. Right. But business success, like I know people who are worth way more money than Jay-Z and Beyonce mm -hmm. and all of them combined, and you'd never know it. Right. They dress just like us. They walk like us. They drive normal cars. They live in normal houses. Uh, maybe a little nicer, to be honest, but they're very humble. And so the, to me, the humility comes from the fact that they have tried their best to succeed and failed in every possible way. Yes. And you realize when you get beat down enough that you're not as good as you think and you can only be great if you're around other people. And so they, the humility of seeing that happen drills it into you that we can only do that level of success if we're surrounded by other people who challenge us and encourage us and change the way we think and help us to believe is possible and then look for a way. You're absolutely right. Instead of telling us we're foolish for trying. You're absolutely right, Steve. And it brings up a point here. Um, I was uh, hanging out with one of the guys that I, I coach um, not even a week ago. And he was scared to step into groups of people that he perceived as higher up than him. And by higher up, I mean further along in the game. 
you know, yes, nobody's higher up than anybody, but some of us have a lot more experience wow. in the game. And this kid, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's mid-20s. And um, I said to him, I asked him, you know, how does it feel when you talk to somebody that's a few steps below you or a few steps behind you and you help them to accomplish something you help them get to the next level he's like I, I love it it's great I said so when guys that are a couple of steps below you reach out to you and you help them you experience that sense of joy and that dopamine hit from helping somebody out right he's like yeah right I said so take it from me the guys that are two or three steps ahead of you experience that same dopamine hit when you reach out to them don't yeah. be scared to reach out and it, well, it's it great like, uh, was it planet fitness is the one that ten dollars mm -hmm. like a no lunkhead alarm or something yeah. like that like if you drop weights has a sound thing that goes on so they're basically kind of perpetrating this what i would consider for the most part a myth but just because people are in shape and like you know big muscles and work out in the gym that they're somehow they're they're not good people or they're arrogant every time i've been in the gym and i'm not that guy mm -hmm. if you walk in and see me working out you're going to come and ask my business advice. You're not going to ask me for advice about your, or your workout routine, any of those things. You're going to ask me where the best donuts are. You'll <laughs> be like, dude, where'd you get those tacos at? What kind of beer do you drink? <laughs> but any of the guys that are in shape, I have never, ever once been in a gym where either someone didn't offer advice or be immediately receptive, you know, respectful when they're working out, of course, and saying, let me tell you about my journey. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what I do and be very helpful. So I, I don't like the belief one, I don't like any kind of segmentation or, or, or judgment. I'm as anti-judgment as I've ever been. I love what Jim Collins said. It's autopsy without blame. Mm -hmm. To me, it doesn't matter who killed this thing. I want to know how. Was it poison or gas? Uh, was it a bullet? Just tell me what I need to do to stop this from happening. It's not about the person. And so the judgment and the delineations, especially against rich people or wealthy people, is like, why do you demonize something that you want to be? Right. Why don't you just go figure out and talk to those people about how to be successful? And the, you know, every super, I'll say super, every hyper in shape person that I've ever met all has a story, all has a story. Um, I mean, I knew a guy that was a tremendous uh, physique coach, um, model, pictures everywhere, thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. And, you know, three years before he'd been... 80 pounds overweight and depressed and suicidal. It's usually emotional and, or physical pain. Yeah. Uh, fatty. Yeah, I've got I've got several friends, um, two that I know for a fact are both. Um, uh, one is a active bikini competitor. One is an aspiring bikini competitor. That's him. That's female. Well, you know, Gary's a little bit strange, but <laughs> uh, but they both had stories of how after they'd had children, um, they felt miserable and they were out of shape and they were fat so yeah. when when you're in the gym looking to these folks that are just absolutely stunning now most of them will share the story with you and they will help you rack the weights and, and get on to the next exercise and it's the same with business yeah. um we, we want to share we want to share our failures and, and and share with you guys that hey it's not the end of the world when this goes bad this is a lesson write it down ask yourself what we learned and perform that post-mortem at the end and see you know yeah, what happened debrief it for sure mm -hmm. yeah definitely you know speaking about that like i put on some weight this year it's been one of the hardest years of my life oh damn you know this and there was a time when early in the year i probably lost 20. Uh, somebody asked me what i was doing and uh, to lose weight and i think i don't think you want this plan 
quite honestly. It's a, it was an emotional weight that showed up in lack of appetite. Mm-hmm. Um, I went 10 days without eating because I was just wiped out. And then got back on, got my, my mind back, got my, my, my thoughts back around me again, got my feet under me again. And then, you know, put back into work or put back in other things, trying to get back on my feet and helping other people, mm-hmm. you know, and being putting value back in the world. And then um, I flew uh, an airplane the other day and they said, we need you to step on the scale. Get to know how much you weigh. Oh, so shit. Like, no, flying bigger airplanes, dude. You don't yeah. got to do that. <laughs> you know? like, so when I saw the scale, this is a public service announcement to all of your people. I just want you to know that COVID has affected our scales. Well, and they're all weighing heavier than they were before COVID. I think that's what it must be. That, and I thought we were all going to die, so I did eat those uh, eat those Oreos yeah. this time. Yeah, you don't want to save too many of those. And you know, I look back, I'm like, where am I? And the thing is, I'm off my goal. Mm-hmm. I have the goal; it's written down. And then, just the mental, emotional energy has pulled me away from that part of my life. But because I have the goal written, I can remind myself, you have goals. Get back on that. And that's, it's, it's the same for business is that you're, somebody told me once, they said, I feel like I'm doing a bad job running my business. And I said, you probably are. And honestly, that shouldn't shock you. Mm -hmm. But if you'll tell me where you're doing a bad job, we can go fix that. And you can't do that without numbers. And if the numbers are present in your business and you can look at them and you can compare them against your goal and you can say, look, so yeah, I gained 20 pounds or I gained 50 pounds or whatever your number is, or I'm under my revenue target by $250,000 or I want to make a million, break it down, man. Mm-hmm. Let's get the numbers. Let's measure it. Let's fall short. Let's be okay with that. If, if I can give one message, the things that I see the most that holds people back, it's fear. Oh yeah. It's absolutely being afraid. And you can say, what well, I tell the kids, fear is what you feel. Courage is what you do. And just because you're courageous, I like that. Mean you're not afraid. Write that down. Say it again. Write that down. Fear is what you feel. Encourage is what you do. I like that. Me too. Words of wisdom from Steve. Good job, man. Well done. Uh, to be able to use the word wisdom. <laughs> I use it very sparingly. <laughs> very sparingly. Um, <laughs> it's hard-earned. Well, one of the things that's made the biggest difference for me in um, business and in fitness, because, uh, you know, last last October, I tore my calf playing soccer, and I'd done a really good job of all of t- uh, 2020 staying active. Um, and I was, I was about as lean as I'd been. I was down to, uh, close to 220, um, which I'm six foot four. I mean, I'm not like, you know, totally out of shape at 220. And I tore my calf and it just derailed everything. And then I can't walk, I can't go run. And I'm like, well, you know, one slice of pizza won't hurt. And I was like, well, six slices of pizza won't hurt. And, you know, I weigh in, uh, middle of January and I'm, I'm almost 240 i'm almost a full 20 pounds heavier in five months four months and that that was shocking um and i did it like i approach everything else in business and dude you know i'm 40 now and i've said this so many times in the last year boy what i would have given to have learned that 10 years ago um, I always use a notepad to stay organized. You'll see me on Facebook. I post with my notepad. I'm always writing it. Um, yeah, I see that. I, and I tell you, as an encouragement, I saw your post. You know, and you said, I take this picture every day. You talked about being disciplined. Yeah. I think it was kind of a wake-up call maybe for you, and you shared it, which I appreciated that. And I, in my mind, I think, what's it like, like when I start my day clean, you wake up early enough to be able to, to give some thought to your day. Dude, I have. A- you want practical advice, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Set your day up for success. Start, just quiet your mind and think about what do I want to do today? 
And if you don't know, go back to the goals that hopefully you've written. And when you started doing that, I'm like, you know what? I want to come hang out downtown, <laughs> sit at that table and write our, just, you don't know, have to talk. Right. I just want to write our to-do list together. And so I bought a picnic table for the office. It's set up outside. And so it's a quiet place to sit and just write, what am I supposed to do today? I, look I, at my I love it. Remind me where I'm going. I love that I've motivated you. Here, you motivate me to buy a picnic. Dude, I love it. I love it. And please post pictures at the picnic table. Yeah. And the way I get to that and what I was coming around to, uh, again, with fitness, with business, with quiet time, with reading time, with practicing my guitar, with time with my kids, every last little thing is scheduled. That's it. I had a friend. She said, you want to meet me for dinner? I said, "Uh, let me check my calendar. All right. I'm going to send you an invite. She's like, are you seriously sending me a calendar invite to me? Yeah, I am. And that's it. Uh, because everything I do is scheduled and on my calendar, I know that 8.05 to 8.30 is my time. That's my quiet time. That's my sitting with a coffee. That's my lining out my day. Um, I know in the mornings I have to leave the house by 5.30 and start exercising. And I have to be back home and in the shower by 6.30 so I can be out the door by 7 o'clock to go on the yeah. school run. I mean, it's just, it's regimented, everything. That's been a big thing I can speak about lately for me. And, you know, I don't have any problems being vulnerable with people about where I am in life. So not 40 anymore. I'm at 51. And well, you wear it well. You don't look 51. Well, so well, well done. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, I realized something going through some of the emotional things I dealt with this year. Mm-hmm. It caused me to think about things that I never thought about. But one of these days, I'm going to die. Yeah. And I know that the casket is waiting for me. It mm-hmm. is a story of the tortoise and the hare. Right. And you can sit and take a nap if you want. But time is still marching forward. Absolutely. And I, days I, have left. And I hope yeah. it's long. I really Absolutely. Yeah. People I mean, that are, I want years and decades of time with them to take it back and be able to live that and enjoy mm-hmm. peace. But I realize it's a ticking clock. There's only a certain number, a numbered number of days that are left. Yep. So now, what do I want to do with the rest of my time? Did you I gave my time to other people, and they didn't use it well. I didn't use it well, and I was careless in giving it to them. You're exactly and right. So, you know what? Not anymore. Take a seat. This is my show, mm-hmm. Steve's show, so I'm going to write down what do I want to do. So this year, uh, I bought this planner, this full focus planner. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. I like that. It's an amazing system that I would recommend only if you're ready for it. Otherwise, it's a bunch of work. <laughs> but I wrote down my goals of what I wanted to do and what I want to be about. And when I write the goals and I've decided that these, you know, seven years of my life, it, it's I'm going to make this intentionality. This year, 2021, for me, is going to be a year of intention, discipline, connection, and love. Because those are important to me. And when everything was taken away from this year... And there's nothing left. You find out what are you willing to fight for? Mm -hmm. I'm willing to fight for love. And I'm willing to fight for connection. And and I believe in other people. I believe in business. And I believe in entrepreneurship. And I believe in capitalism. And I think it brings out the absolute best in us. It makes our world a better place. And that's what I'm going to be about. And so when you write down what you're going to do, what you said you're going to do, Mm -hmm. then you step back and you think, well, shit, maybe I overcommitted. (laughs) But you also think the way that I'm doing this, the way that I'm working, the way I'm living my life, and I'm feeling it right now, probably more than ever, it isn't going to work. I can go back and change the goals, mm-hmm. but that's not what I said I was going to do. Right, right. What I said was I'm going to do these things. So now I've got to come back and restructure the way that I work. 
So a friend needed something the other day. I'm like, can I get in the truck and go drive it over there to you? And then I thought, no, like I got my goals. I got stuff that I'm doing. I'll drop it off tomorrow when I'm on the way into work. Mm -hmm. Then it's convenient. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you start restructuring the way that you think about your time. How much can, and it's not about just working as a slave is because this is what I said I wanted to do. Yes. It's emotional to me and it's important to me. And you know what? It doesn't matter to anybody else because I didn't ask their opinion when I wrote this stuff down. Dude, it's, it's the most strongest asset you've got is yeah. your time. And if you're one of the few people that I call to say, what do you think about this? Because I want you in my life and I want to know what you think about this. And then I may be calling on you for support on the days when I don't feel like I've got it, when I'm put on a backwards cap because I don't have time to do <laughs> There's too much stuff. Yeah. But I'm committing to that because it's going to help me accomplish my goals. Because at the end of the year, I want to look back and say, that was mine. I took that and it didn't come taken from me. It was something that I was able to put in intentionally. Yes, sir. If I find out it isn't what I wanted, at least I worked the damn plan. Dude, when you Next commit, year, get something different. When you commit to a calendar, when you commit to goals, everything changes. I mean, I, I know it's. Uh, I know it's fairly difficult to believe, but I get up at 5 a.m. and I am in bed by 10, a, uh, 10 p.m., maybe 10, 15 at the latest if there's something good on Netflix. Um, but every last little bit of my time is scheduled right up to 9 o'clock at night. So how much are you willing to sacrifice sleep for your goals? Or are you? Um, you know, I've done that in the past. And what tends to happen is I'll run flat out for... 10, 12, 15 days, and I'll just sleep a, a day straight, and I'll lose so a day. back to three to four hours a night, and that's one of the things that I, I'm realizing that I'm not creating enough time for that. I don't feel like that does me any good. I think what's best for me is to just, as long as I get six and a half to seven every night, I'm fine. What I find when I do the four to five, uh, I don't, I've not really done a three to four in a while, but I've definitely done a few four to fives. What happens when I do the four to fives and I go, absolutely, I go like fuck as hard as I can. Um, I'll make it 10, 12 days, um, 15 days. You know, you don't take a weekend, you just hammer and stuff out. And then that's it, I'm done. I have to stop and I will sleep. Like, it doesn't matter if I set an alarm or not, I'll sleep till noon. You know, I'll go to bed at nine o'clock and I'll just sleep right through 14, 15 hours. And I much prefer to, um, optimize my schedule to get as much done in that 17 hours that I'm awake. So you feel like if you maximize your day, then you're... I, yes, I prefer to maximize... I prefer, for me, I prefer to maximize that 17 hours. I mean, it's like when you come on a podcast, you know, I sent you a list of dates that were available. I, it's all set up in my calendar. You just pick the day and click the link. Yeah. You know, I didn't have anything to do with it. I just know that... Um, at that point in time, I'm going to be there. Now, if I'd looked this morning and there was nothing there, I've got plenty of work that needs to be done that can go into this. But I do my auxiliary work um, after the gym uh, while dinner's in the oven cooking, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'll have my laptop out, and that's when I'll do auxiliary work. And if I get to catch up and nobody comes in for a podcast one day, then I've got that. What are you considering auxiliary work? Anything that I don't get done during my work day that I don't want to kick to the next day. Um, right now I'm looking for an integrator for Media Foundry um, it's either going to come internally uh, we're just testing a few things out or it's going to come as an external hire so you view yourself in, in the visionary roles oh absolutely yeah I'm I'm definitely the definitely the visionary the, the pusher and I but are hard to find 
Mm-hmm. There's so much trust that goes in that role. But I, I'm trying to slowly remove myself from uh, the media founder ecosystem. Um, they they're doing okay. I can I can step away and step back, step away and step back. Um, but I'm responsible for a lot of the creative direction. Uh, not making the, the content, not any of that, but actually the uh, the conversations with the clients, the structuring of you know what what this is going to look like or what that's going to look like, or you know for, for case in point, um, we've got a uh, we've got a client that we're having to record a bunch of testimonials for. Uh, we're redoing their website, and it's a case of what do you want your website to do. Not what you want it to look like. What do you want it to achieve? What do you want it to do? Because the the problem I had with Media Foundry, um, you know, we were just a video company. We were doing fine until COVID hit, and then we got a pivot. And when we pivoted, um, you know, we had just like national advertising accounts with national clients, and they come and they say, "We want a video. Make us a video." So we make a video, no problem, because they already had their distribution networks, all their channels set up, all their social media, everything. They we were just providing content. We were a content provider. And what happened when we pivoted was um, you can make a video for somebody, but if they don't have the right online distribution channels, if they don't know what they're doing with the video or if they don't know what the video is for, well, you just spend money. You, they just spend, there's, I'm yeah, go back to that you said there's this, no you return. Said it really well. A lot of people get stuck in their website. This is just a practical tool for businesses mm-hmm. that have, trust me, any size. It doesn't matter how big you are. This is a good pro tip for you. Stop looking at your website for how it looks. Yeah, what does it goal. do? What is the goal of every website? Mm-hmm. For me, it's conversion. Yeah. And my first goal was I want to convert 4% of any traffic coming to the website. To what? Leads. You see, for me, I'm a, I'm a little bit different on that. Um, I know it takes several visits to convert to a lead. Uh, for me, I think the real purpose of websites is data capture, data acquisition. Yeah. And you're a little further down the line, you, you know, but if we can, uh, if we can even just get, get a tracking pixel. You know, going well, as out. soon as you start to measure it, my next question is, do you have the ability to measure traffic to your site? Which is like at 4%, I either want a phone call or a form or an email or something. Yeah, yeah. I want some kind of conversion. Yeah. And when you realize, like, I've, look, I've had professional marketing companies come and tear up my websites and put them back together the way they want it done. Like, you don't understand. I've optimized all this. I've, it already converts. And so they'll make a little tiny change where a button goes or the wording mm-hmm. of something. And all of a sudden, the conversion rate gets cut in half. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Go back to the goal. The goal is this thing either collects data or it clicks a button or you give me information. Right. Something, tell me something that I want it to do. And then when it doesn't do that, which it usually won't, sit around with your friends or your partners or your coworkers <laughs> and you say, here's the goal of this page. It's falling short. What's one thing I could change to make it better? Right. And then immediately watch the ideas flow towards the goal, not towards a bunch of independent ideas. And that, that's the thing. Most people, when they put a website up, they just want a website. They don't even stop and think, why it a, it's an online digital brochure. Why are we doing this? And really, for me, there's a difference between websites for static business cards, like literally just like you said, an online digital brochure. And some clients want that. But the majority of clients don't understand that the website is to be used as a lead gathering tool. And you can actually write a website and set it up to where you are keeping the attention of the visitor. And people only get on the internet to do a couple of things. Like they either, they either want to be entertained or they want to be educated, you know, or they want to be engaged. But for the most part, when you're looking at a website, it's because you want to be educated 
as to what it is that I need to do to engage with this company. Like there has to be a reason for you to engage. There has to be a reason for you to click. And the majority of companies that bring me in, I look at their website and it is literally just a poorly formatted, poorly put together static business card that's designed to be viewed on, on a desktop. And when 80% of web traffic now is mobile, um, and there's no call to action, there's no desire to acquire data even. So we found like, <laughs> going back to where we were at, shit, um, Media Foundry and me stepping out of it, yes. um, we're bringing more and more work to Media Foundry from asking the why. Why are you creating this media? What is it you want to do? So a lot of my job right now that I'm kind of looking, uh, that I call auxiliary work is because I can do it at the cigar lounge, I can do it at the gym thinking about stuff, I can do it on the couch. Um, it's the creative side of the why. You know, what does this video need to look like? What kind of shots do we need for, for this? What kind of paragraphs do we need in this description? What does the flow of the website look like? And you know, I'll sketch stuff out in my notebook and um, that I classify as, you know, downtime work. I can do that when, do that when I'm not busy. And um, right now, we're keeping up with demand. Um, Foundry's never looked so good. Uh, it's got an absolutely full pipeline. And it, it's time for me to extract myself from it so that I can focus on on podcasting and coaching and, and building yeah, build more stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like, I love the name. <laughs> yeah, I came up with it myself. And then I started looking around and it wasn't taken on Facebook and it wasn't taken on Instagram. And uh, the smallbusinesssurgeon.com was available. And I'm like, well, shit, I, I guess hey, that's it then. Really? I, it just fit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. It's, uh, Thank you. It's very on point. So you were um, instrumental in my decision to you know move forward into uh, podcasting and, and coaching and um you know i gotta thank you for that because it's uh it's really um it's what did i say <laughs> i might want to say it again to someone else <laughs> it didn't it didn't resonate with what you said um we sat in the coffee shop and you you gave me an hour of your time sure. telling me that uh that, that I was ready to do this. And you know, then I kind of didn't believe you. And then five or six other people that I respect tremendously also told me, hey, you should really do this. And then when I look back and see that we've, I've coached 30 plus people in the last few months from the small business owners group that we set up, it just seems like the, the logical progression. And I get so much joy out of watching the, the light go on in people's eyes. And you, you know, you, you'll know yourself, the, the sense of relief uh, that a lot of business owners get the, the same relief I got when when you and I had that first talk and you helped me unscramble a bunch of a bunch of things that were bothering me. I mean, it's that's why I do it. That's what I like about it. It's it's helping other people to avoid the same mistakes that I've made. Yeah, there was a phrase that we had uh, on the on the wall that said an expert is someone who has made every possible mistake within a very narrow field of study. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that view, one, because it has an element of humility instead of an expert is someone who knows everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes being an expert isn't about knowing everything. Like you said, maybe you're Googling faster than your competitor, watching the right YouTube videos to lay tile. <laughs> uh, now you're an expert. It's, it's more about, I know what not to do, but if you also know what to do and you can put those two things together, you can be very powerful. Man, that is, that is, uh, seriously powerful all right steve before we get wrapped up today i'm going to ask you one question that i like to ask all of my guests if i get the chance and uh, this is 
this is definitely applicable to you as you are in the coaching space. What's the biggest thing, the biggest nugget of gold that you would give or tell a guy just starting out in business? The challenge for me is there's so many of them. You know, sometimes I think, you know, what's the, what's the thing that's going to get you the greatest impact? And, and for me, maybe, I guess it goes back to, you have to fall in love with your customer. And remember that it's not about you, it's about them. So what is it that they want or what is it that they need? A lot of times people start businesses based on what the owner wants to do, what the owner feels like the market needs. But if, so as an example, like I went on a, a canoeing trip with mm-hmm. kids. Once you step inside a canoe, everything goes in there with you. If it's not in that canoe, it's not going. That's true. Never you can't thought of that. Get about in it. a car and go to pick up some toilet paper from Walmart. Huh. So then, better get used to those leaves, kid. Yeah. So when it, when you get into a canoe and you're now a canoe camper, mm-hmm. you have different needs. So what do they need? What do they What do they need when it rains? Mm-hmm. What do they need when that thing tips over and all their clothes get wet? What kind of clothes do they need to wear? How do they start a fire? How do they eat? When you start thinking about, oh, they need things to be lightweight. They need things to be dry. Mm-hmm. So let's go make dry, lightweight things for people who want to go camping in a canoe. There you go. That's how complicated the business is. Find your people first. Someone that you know that you can relate to and think, what do they need? Mm-hmm. How do I help them get that? And as long as you're providing things that people need, then you'll stay in business. So many ideas that I've worked with, they start with what I call step four. And step four is they got the idea, they got mm-hmm. the product. And I have to go try to find out the people who want it and why yeah. it matter. It's like, what if, what if you chose wrong? Let's go back to the people first, find out what the core problem is. And sometimes you'll find a hidden opportunity that's way bigger than what Dude, you Dude, so about. many people skip that step. That is an absolutely outstanding piece of advice. And I know from my own personal experience that when I dialed my shit into the right people, life got so much easier. I didn't have to sell anything. They came to me yeah. to, Think to buy. Small business owners. What is yeah. the problem? Usually a small business doesn't have enough resources to hire a lot of quality people. Mm-hmm. So you end up trying to save money so you hire, you under hire with people who don't have capacity and you get frustrated they can't do good work. And eventually you dial back on your dreams and you give up and bury those and you start to accept normalcy. And you change your mind to believing that it's not possible. You're just going to hold what you got. So what those guys need, if they haven't given up on their hopes and dreams yet, is they need to know, they need fresh ideas mm-hmm. and they need hope. And so sometimes when I think about those guys, what do they need? I say guys, guys or girls. Yeah, yeah, you know, for, for sure. What's yeah. the term for that? Um, but what you need is you need an idea and you need accountability. Just tell me what to do next because there's so many things to do. There's so many videos, there's so many experts. You could do thousands and thousands of things. But what you need is you need a simple system that you can follow, that you can wrap your mind around to be able to take control of your business and start growing again. So what is that? Usually it's going to be someone like you or I, who's not emotionally connected to the industry, mm-hmm. not emotionally connected to you and the decisions you've made. Somebody who's not afraid to tell you the truth. And the- so what you can do is let's give you a fresh perspective and give you a couple ideas to exactly what you need to work on. Let's get your goals, get your numbers, and you're going to find that the pieces start falling in place and you'll start feeling hope again then you're going to need accountability or you're not going to do it because it's also suck you back in. I, I can't, I mean, I'm not trying to plug either one of our businesses right now, but I can't 
say how much paying for coaching has helped me as an entrepreneur and helped me through uh, those exact things that you were just talking about. Yeah, there was a guy that hired me a number of years ago, and he had just sold a business for mm-hmm. um, two or three million dollars, which it's not a lot of money in terms of like setting you up long term. Right. Do something else. Mm-hmm. You, you can burn through that quicker than you realize, especially if it's undisciplined. But so he's sitting on this cash and he wants to restart. He's like, I just, I want to work. I want to build something. And I was told, Dope, you could help me. So we talked about what I do and where I thought I could fit in. And then, yeah. So why are you hiring me? Like, you know, you built a multi million dollar business. You've sold one. It's very difficult. He's like, yeah, but it took too long. I don't want to do that again. Right. I, I need someone else's help, and I want to start from the very beginning because then I'll make more money faster if I can have somebody else help me along the way. And we did. You know, we I think we crushed it in that scenario. You know, but everybody, your mileage is going to vary. But the more people you can surround yourself with that can help you, that care about your success, I think the faster you're going to get where you want to go. Amen. Yeah. Focus on that group. Focus on that group. <laughs> All right. Well, that is. Uh, a good stopping point as any it's just about time to wrap it up um steve tinkle i want to thank you uh for coming in you can find him online at uh, linkedin his moniker over there is chief doer you can find him right there on linkedin and uh, man it's been a pleasure a pleasure man it's been a blast i love hanging out with you you're you're one of my five and um hopefully will be for for quite some time so uh, guys guys that listen uh, go look steve up online and uh, for those of you just finding the show uh, you can follow along at uh, small business surgeon on instagram we've got at small business surgeon on facebook and uh, do me a massive favor if you would go to itunes leave us a five-star review and write something nice about the show because if you do that it pushes us up in the rankings and it helps other people discover the show and uh, you know if it's good and you like it then uh, why wouldn't you share it? All right, guys, I appreciate you all so much. Steve, again, thank you for coming in, man. And uh, we will see you all same time next week for another episode of Small Business Surgeon. You'll be good and stay safe. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com.